Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about Michigan State's narrow 64-63 defeat to uh, first place Purdue, Boilermakers at the Breslin Center. Michigan State trailed at halftime 27-25 after being down by, I think, as much as uh, nine or more in the first half. They got it back down to two, had a lead briefly in the second half, and then sort of went back and forth for a while near the end. And Zach Eady and Fletcher Lawyer were just too much for Michigan State at the very end. Uh, Notables, obviously, the Biggest news, of course, of the day was that Malik Hall was ruled out and sounds like for quite a while. Uh, so it seemed very, uh, not very uh, enthusiastic or hopeful, I think, of Malik Hall seeing the court for quite some time. And just so I think we have to wait to see what the diagnosis is and sort of what the plans are for him. Yeah, on, on that note, um, and I'm sure we'll return to it, but, um, you know, it kind of went back and forth. Uh over the course of the weekend in terms of the kind of stuff that I, I was, I was getting, um, which I think, I think accurately reflects where they were the, the latest and, and Izzo kind of talked about this was they got uh, a verdict from a specialist uh, today, this morning. And that was what he was referring to when he said it, it didn't look good. Yeah. Now, again, my, the other thing that's kind of confusing is my understanding has been, and I didn't, I don't know if you heard his post game. I did. Um, did he mention if it was the ankle? Do you know? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I thought they were talking about the ankle. The pre- I'm trying to think of the pregame show when I listened to him talking. Uh, so I guess I, I would say I'm not sure. My, my understanding was it was the ankle so that it wasn't a re-aggravation of what he hurt in his foot, the stress reaction. Uh, but I, again, there's been so much conflicting information out there that I don't feel like that's a definitive. Um, but, but again, my, my understanding coming out of the game, everything I heard over the weekend was focused on the ankle. So that's why I was a little surprised to hear that this, this is where they've landed. Um, but, uh, regard, I mean, look, you can have a really bad ankle injury. It's sure. not that, that that's not, you know, it could be a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, I'm sure this is going to ramp people's anger up at, uh, the <laughs> Howard family, because, you know, if it was in fact, the ankle, it kind of started with jet Howard's hip check at the end of the first half. Yeah. Um, against Wisconsin, but you know, what, whatever, it's just one of those years from a league call, which is, is really unfortunate because I feel like when he's played, he's been really, really good. He's been the guy that we thought he might be. 
um, coming into the season. So it's, it's really disappointing from that perspective. And of course, look, it's a big blow for Michigan state. Um, you know, the, it, it takes their margin for error way down. It removes a very valuable piece from the rotation at both ends. Um, but, but I will say this, at, at least for today, um, I don't, uh, you know, would it have made a difference? Yeah, probably. But I feel like for the most part, Michigan State played a very good game. I was not unhappy with the way they played. And I think it's a crying shame that they ended up taking the loss because I think they played well enough to win. Yep. No and, and at the same time, I don't feel Purdue came out and played their C game either. I think Michigan State really went at them toe to toe. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, I, I hate talking about officiating <laughs> yeah. and those of us, uh, those, our listeners know that that's, that's not something that we typically spend a great deal of time talking about, but it, it needs to be talked about in this game because it was, um, a really, really bad effort from this officiating crew. I mean, they were just not good. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it hurt. There were, there were big moments that hurt Michigan state that, that you can point at as, um, uh, you know, there were, there were, let's put it this way. There were egregious calls that were made that came early enough in the game that you say, well, okay, that was a horrible call. The prime example of that was just an unbelievably awful call on Mati Sissoko where first of all, the play leading to the play where Mati got, got called for the foul was in fact a foul on Purdue. I can't remember which guy it was behind Tyson Walker clearly bumped him as he, as he went up for a mid range jumper. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. It was an obvious foul, no call. Edie kind of secures the rebound, but he has Mati in the textbook definition of a hook and hold and essentially throws him to the ground yeah. at the end of it. That was crazy. And the call, and, and not only is there no hook and hold, there's a foul called on Sissoko. It was awful. It, you couldn't botch that play any more thoroughly than that crew did, but it happened early enough that you don't, you know, you don't worry about it. There were two big calls late, very late that really did play a major role in the outcome. You know, one, I've got slightly more sympathy for the mom, which was uh, the out of bounds call that ended up giving the ball back to Purdue. Um, you were at the game, so you probably haven't had the benefit of the hundred million replays. We saw a lot of them. That we board. saw, but they're pretty. It okay. was pretty so definitive. You saw a lot of them. It was not a dark hand touching the ball. I'd say that much. Yeah, it it looked like Edie to me. But I will I will go so far as to admit that I I can't say it was a hundred percent with a hundred percent certitude. Sure. The problem with that is then when you have an officiating crew that lacks ability, and I mean I'll say that they were not good all day, so I can say they're not good. Um, and they have a bailout option. That's what they chose. Yeah. Right. They can say, well, look, we just couldn't tell it was too close. There's nothing definitive. So, you know, we're going to throw it to possession. Well, that's still both. If the call is there to be made, you make the call, but whatever, I get at least that one, as I say, I can have a little tiny bit of sympathy. 
because it, it was close. I can sit here and say, I'm 90% certain that went off Edie. I probably can't <laughs> say I'm a hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there was no definitively great, obvious angle. There were some that made it look like a one-off ED, but not enough to where I could say yes to, uh, with metaphysical certitude. That's Michigan State ball. <laughs> yeah. But the foul call on Tyson Walker trying to fight over the screen Oof. on Foster Lawyer, that was a horrendous call. I don't understand it. It was a, it was a joke. It was an absolute joke, and I don't know whether they replayed that one at Breslin or not. I think they probably they did. did, but it, you know, it was as bad yeah. in live as it was in re- <laughs> yeah, replay. Yeah, it was. It was disgraceful. In again, and this is part of the reason why I say that. And and we come back to this theme several times this year. You know, um, that game, despite the number of fouls called, which there were a fair amount you know, especially in the second half, both ways, Yep. both teams were in the double bonus with several minutes to play. So there were a lot of fouls whistled, but even despite that, I'm of the belief that they let a ton of contact go in that game, an absolute ton of it. Both teams played very, very physically. I would argue Purdue played more physically than Michigan state did. Um, And so in that kind of environment, forget the game situation in that kind of a, in that kind of environment, you call that. Yeah. Right. That's a lack of consistency. Um, and that's what I think you can, you can properly go after an officiating crew for is when they are not consistent in how they're calling a game that was, uh, there are games that are called so tightly that I could say, all right. I could see where they might blow the whistle on that because they're blowing anyone who as much as breathes on an offensive player, (laughs) right? We've seen those kind of games. This was not that kind of game. So in that circumstance, no, you cannot blow the whistle on that. You can't do it. And so those were the two that really stick in my mind because of the timing of them. Um, But there were a lot of others. I mean, this was just a bad job. They, they really, they struggled with a shot clock. They just over and over and over. And um, you wonder at what point is the big 10 finally going to decide that it's got a problem that it needs to address. You know, I'm not even, I'm not even going to the fact that, you know, I, I accept when Michigan state goes on the road, such as in our last game against Illinois, that you're going to have be operating at a disadvantage. I accept that because that's historically the case. Officials are human crowds tend to get to officials and influence some calls. And that's just the way it goes historically. But, but then I see Michigan state not get that benefit at all. Do do they ever, I feel like it's very unusual for us to have a big, aside from like Brown comes into town or something like that. I feel like it's not too often that we get a whole lot of extra calls, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the insufferable guy behind me. Here's the other, yeah. Here's the other thing to think about. Historically, Michigan state is a physically aggressive team. So that might explain some of it. I've, I've, I haven't gone back and done, I wish somebody would done a study on that as to how, how much of a differential there typically is for MSU in foul calls home versus away. Mm-hmm. I've got to believe there's some, but it, it might not be as wide as 
say a Wisconsin or a Purdue typically gets. I don't know. But, but this is another important point about this Michigan State team. We've got basically half a season's worth of data now that says this team doesn't foul very much. Right. Yeah. So what are you doing? You know, and Purdue doesn't get a lot of fouls called on them either, but I would suggest that at least in this game, they were the more physical of the two teams. You know, how, how Zach Eady and, <laughs> and watching the broadcast, I love Bill Rafferty. I think he's as good as there has ever been at that job. I think he's great. But that question came up, boy, Zach Eady doesn't get a lot of fouls. The, uh, the, the play-by-play guy made the point. He's like, you know, uh, Purdue fans feel like Zach Eady gets beat on all game long. But, you know, opponents of Purdue can can look at the track record and say Zach Eady's only had something like, I think he said 27 or 29 fouls called on him the entire season. <laughs> and, and Raf's answer, I get it, was, well, you know, he plays in drop coverage a lot, so he's not necessarily picking up a lot of fouls, you know, big men trying to play the pick and roll or, you know, getting caught away from the rim that a lot of other big men are. All right. That might explain some of it, but that's a pretty extreme stat. And, and watching this game, look, I could make an argument and they're never good. Apparently they're never going to call it in a situation like that, but the game winning shot, you might've been able to call Zach Eady for an offensive foul. With left the arm, yeah. Arm, yeah. Yeah. You might've, I mean, that would not have been like a complete outlier of a call. You will see those calls made now in that situation. Uh, no a guy trying to fight over the top of a screen in a similar situation, apparently. Yes. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, um, I, Zach Eady, I'm sorry, wonderful player. And, you know, does some, does some great things, but Zach Eady plays more physically than his foul numbers would suggest he does. And, and the, the big Ten's got to get on top of that. Yeah. Especially the offensive rebounding, right? I mean, he went over, Top of some, well, there he Sissoko, went over Sissoko's I mean, back, just, and like, they and you know, and that was one the broadcast crew actually harped on. Yeah, they said it a couple times. And you know, look, talking about those two blown calls late in the game, I think you know, had that one call been for Michigan State, I think they would have kept it with Michigan State and supposed to make it a jump ball. But uh, you know, that they, they probably didn't feel there's enough to reverse it. But that call on the going around the screen is. That's just the, just for the same reason. I don't think they should have called the foul on Edie with his shot, with his arm extended. But the same thing, you know, like you said, there's no reason Walker That's should have gotten a There's hardly any contact there. You're just gifting, you're gifting Purdue two points. I just don't understand. If you're going to call that, you're going to call 90% of defenders' attempts to get out, out on top of a screen. There wasn't even that much contact. I mean, it's just that, that simple. Yeah. It's that you would make that call 90% of the time. Yeah, you know, it's it was and, frustrating. And, and the idea, you know, a six one Tyson Walker trying to get over the top of a seven foot four behemoth. Are you kidding me? You I understand the foul was on supposedly on lawyer, but look at what Walker's got to do. And that and again, I'm not even asking for well, you got a grade on the curve. Just call it the way you call those plays the other 39 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, that was the disappointing but, it was it was very disappointing, especially in a game that really was. And I and, and I I don't want this to become entirely. Oh, Michigan State got robbed. Look, Purdue went out and made plays. I mean, 
Fletcher lawyer, yep. the other freshman guard, I think the moment got to him. I don't think Smith played very well. He looked at pretty all. terrible. Yeah. But Fletcher lawyer, man, he made plays offensively at least. Yes. He made plays and down the stretch, um, Caleb first massive three pointer from the corner after Michigan state had seemingly off a Walker three had gotten the lead up to four and really seemed to be going in for the kill. Yep. Purdue comes right back first nails that three Zach Eady, You know, we'll talk about his game in detail. Cause I actually think all things considered, I Michigan state did a wonderful job yeah, against, I agree. Him. I mean, that's crazy to say about a guy who scored 30, <laughs> whatever it was, 30, yeah, 30 yeah. some points, but it's true. Um, and yet you, you got to give him credit. I mean, he made enough plays when it counted. Um, I'll ask you, cause you were in the building when Tyson Walker went up for that three at the last shot. Did you think it was good? No. Okay. No, it didn't look, it, it looked, it would, the angle looked wrong. And I think it's cause Morton blocked it partially. Like once it left his hands, it, it looked like it was gonna be way short, which is what happened. Uh, and he also, it didn't look like he squared up. Because, you know, he doesn't have any time really to get a perfect look. But I, that's just from my angle. In that situation, I, I, that's what I would have hoped for. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the was look Tyson you want. Tyson Walker, yeah. That he is it open. It was pretty amazing that it got to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, just a heartbreaking, heartbreaking yeah. loss. Because, as I say, they really did enough things well to deserve to win. And, and they did it while I don't think Purdue played poorly. That was not the case at all. It was two teams that played pretty damn well at both ends. Um, and, uh, the other one just happened to score one more point. Yeah, no, I think it's, and you know, you can look back at it, missed opportunities. First 10 minutes of the game, Michigan state offensive, it was terrible. Oh, yeah. Missing shots, eight turnovers, or actually eight turnovers in the first half. Uh, AJ would did not look good. Lots of open looks missed, both mid-range and for three. Pierre Brooks had three threes. That two of those were really good looks. Missed them both. Uh, or you missed all three, actually. But uh, I think, you know, there are are plenty of opportunities. Missed free throws by AJ in a game that's one point, right? I mean, every point matters. And it was the game was there, and it's too bad because it was one that definitely could get. It's one that you're definitely going to need because without Hall, I mean, let's be honest, this team is going to be – it's going to be a dogfight to make the NCAA tournament, I think. I mean, I'm not, you know, spelling doom, but we know how to play without Hall, but it's not going to be easy. There's not, there aren't many easy games for you pick up wins. And with the Big Ten as deep as it is, but, uh, you know, I have some thoughts on that. I think one is that you play the way that you played today and you play that way, you know, against anybody else in this league, you're almost certainly winning. Sure. I agree with that. Um, so they know they're capable of doing that. I think the second thing is um, it's not a direct, well, if this guy does this, it solves the problem of the absence of Hall. But I do think um, the big takeaway for me coming out of this game, and, and because we've seen this before, I don't know if I believe it's what will happen, but um, Tyson Walker needs to be that aggressive. Yes. Tyson Walker is, and I've said this before. I said it last season. I've said it at other points this year, and you see it again today. Uh, you know, and, and this was a, today was a very good lesson in that because early on he was taking good shots that weren't falling. 
And in the past, that has led him to maybe start looking to just try to find other people and not focus on getting his own, right? Yep. Today, that didn't happen, you know, out of necessity because it's what they had going because of the way Purdue was choosing to defend. Um, shots were going to be there for Tyson, and he remained aggressive. And he took 23 shots on the floor. That has to be a career high. I haven't looked it up, but a Michigan State career high for him. Yeah. Um, but honestly, if they get anything close to that kind of Tyson Walker, and again, I'm not talking about 30 points, but just in terms of being that aggressive, eh, the dynamic can change. I mean, Michigan State still has the best backcourt in the conference, in my opinion. That that hasn't changed after today at all. And that's still a lot to work with. So, you know, I understand people feel like, oh, it's going to be a struggle. Let, let's let's see. Let's see how it goes. We'll know more in two games, right? I think once you know, after the Rutgers and Indiana game, we'll see if this team can still compete with anyone in the Big Ten. Because those are, you know, right. certainly Rutgers and, of course, on the road at Indiana. You pull some one or two of those games out, then I think you know you feel like you're in the fight. You win both of those, you're six and three. Oh yeah, then you're um, great if you get both of those. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, look, the, I think the fair thing to say is that the margin of error is really reduced. No we question. know that, but I also know that it's funny because when I look at it, um, not that he's proven to be anywhere near this type of player, but honestly, what I was thinking when I was watching Tyson Walker go through that exhibition today was without Malik, there, there are elements of this team that kind of remind me of the team, Sean Respert's senior year. That team was not loaded with great offensive performers. It had one guy basically. And then, and then other, you know, solid players, mm -hmm. it was a different team. And, and Sean is obviously a very different, even style of player than Tyson, but but the thing about Tyson Walker is because of his handle and his quickness, he truly is the one is one guy who is capable of creating his own offense. Yeah. I mean, you what what I loved. And I mean, if we're going to accentuate the positive, the way Michigan State played offensively down the stretch, it was it was almost as if you had a um, turbo turbo sized. Uh, Cassius Winston out there because Tyson Walker was just running Purdue off screen, rescreen, rescreen. I haven't seen that really since Cassius. Yep. And he was cash and he was delivering on those shots, you know. But that's the thing he gives you is like Cassius, he has a great handle. The advantage he's got over Cassius is that he's quicker, he's even quicker. So it's easier for him to create space, even than it was for Cash. But um, I think I think they need to they need to do more of that. I feel confident in saying that much. Yeah. Um, and and that Tyson Walker is a very bad man. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, Purdue did not have an answer for him. They just didn't. And I think you're right. I think no one does. I don't think there's anyone in the league is going to be able to shut him down. Yeah, it's that element that tells me, you know what? Okay. We know now they're not going to have Malik that reduces the kind of options you have offensively. So maybe it means one of the ways you adjust to that. Cause they, they don't have a lot of other choices, you know? Yeah. You could get more out of Pierre Brooks potentially. Um, but I mean, Joey is Joey. 
we we kind of know what he and he'll have games that are a little better or a little less. Uh, but basically, he's going to do what he you know today. What do you have? Ten points. Ten points. He's you one know, of four that's from kind three. Of a, so that you yeah, that's kind some of a of low. Yeah, that's kind of a lower end Joey Hauser performance. But he hit some. He made some big plays. Yep. And you know he delivered. AJ Hogard kind of is what he is. You know, you, you are aware, and that's a very high level player overall, but you don't, you know, AJ's not suddenly going to be shooting 45% from three. No. Now the, I guess the two guys, I would say one, I still think there is much more to be unlocked with Jay Makins, but the other thing is a more aggressive Tyson Walker is capable of doing these kind of things more often than we've seen. I mean, I think he's been much, much better than he was a year ago, but there's still room for more of this. I mean, he, he is capable of going on a run where, you know, he could, he could string together if his mentality's right, he's fully capable of stringing together several games in this general realm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, when, with, uh, Cassius and, and Xavier's team, there's no question, go-to, it's Cassius, you know, that people have said the last couple of years, there really hasn't been a go-to player. I don't think there's any question at this point that it's Walker, right? I mean, I, he's got, he's the guy who's going to keep this engine running on the offensive end and, and everyone else is going to contribute, like you said earlier, but I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to how well he plays and hits those mid-ranges and um, I don't know, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think this team is not, they're not finished or anything without having Hall. And, you know, maybe it simplifies things, right? I mean, because you have less question of where the points are coming from and from an offensive set. Yeah. And Madi was very good setting screens, and Tyson, it, it even put Morton on him at the end, and it didn't matter. Morton couldn't stop him either, despite the height and his yeah. being a really good defender. We, you know, it's funny. I felt like, oh, they they had stretches where they went to the bench too much, but I'm looking at the minutes. <laughs> Tyson, 37. Hogard, 36. Hauser, 38. Aikens, 32. That's going to be where they have to live. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, Madi with 22, that's the one position where you know they're not going to go over 30. But, um, yeah, they're going to have to live there. That's the thing that, you know, that Hall does. So uh, one other aspect of this, of the injury, is I don't. I think it would probably – it's always tough to get this going in Big Ten play anyway, but I think this pretty much puts – the final nail in the coffin of seeing a hell of a lot more out of the transition game. Sure. Because they just can't play that way. You know, they they've got it with the minutes. They got to squeeze out of these guys. They've got, they've got to um, be conservative. I think with how they approach their offense, it'll be running in running in spots, right? Like, you know, Jay Nakins gets a steal. You obviously run. Yeah. Opportunistic breaks. Yeah. And that's probably going to be about yeah, it. That's probably about it too. You know, other positives I thought about this game, too. I mean, I thought Mati played very well defensively. He didn't attempt a, a shot, but he didn't. You know, you're not going to go up and try post work against Zach Eady, especially when you are you don't have super talented post players. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. I thought Jackson Kohler played pretty well. He came in and he, as soon as Eady left the game, they were, they couldn't do anything defensively. Uh, Michigan State just tore him to pieces. Kohler's in there and getting his, getting his, you know, he just yep. fouled out that, uh, Trey uh, Kaufman Wren right away. I mean, yep. the guy was just hopeless. I mean, to what you said earlier about Jack Ebling, that it, this team without Zach Eady, you know, they're one Eady away from not making the tournament. And I, yeah. <laughs> but I think you could probably say about the Bulls, like, you know, they didn't have Michael Jordan. They would, <laughs> they would have went through. And I don't see a guy like that is going to play and, and not, yeah. The, the caveat to that is big men and especially 
really, really, really tall, like unusually tall big men tend to be more vulnerable. There's a reason why you don't see, well, there's many reasons why you don't see guys ED size running around the big ten or the NBA. First of all, there aren't that many of them in the world. Second, secondly, um, the game has evolved in a way that they can't, but, but the other thing is when you look at, at guys who are in that seven, four, seven, five, seven, six range, um, they tend to have injury problems and who knows, maybe he'll be an exception. I don't think he's had a serious injury his entire, you know, two plus years, two and a half years now at Purdue, but man, that that's a risk. And, and especially so when you're running him out there, you know, he played 36, he played minutes. 36 minutes, way more than game. I'm sure he usually does. There's no way he plays that much. Yeah. Anymore. Oh yeah. Cause they, you're right. They could not get away with having him off the floor. I mean, when he came off the floor, Michigan state went to work either, either with, you know, Kohler had the one post up bucket, but then you were able to see them get to the rim and finish much more. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting deal, but uh um I thought both of Michigan State's freshman bigs did all right. Yeah, I was going to say Cooper looked really good. Yeah, all three of them, you know, they hunt in there. Look, you know, um we wondered, well we'll talk about it when we get to the keys. We wondered strategically what Michigan State was going to do, and I think for the most part they answered pretty emphatically. Now, I do want to call attention just to get your your opinion on this because i have one <laughs> the last purdue possession oh, the one my wife turned me why so, did they double him <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so we're on the same page it yeah, sounds like i think so michigan state just to set the stage michigan state has taken the lead on a tyson walker jumper there's 11 seconds left you had to know that that's what purdue was going to do they because 11 seconds is enough time you know unless unless you're just harassing the shit out of them pressuring them in the backcourt and Michigan state had token pressure, but not anything substantial. And, and by the way, I'm not advocating for them doing more because you ran a risk of getting a, uh, with this crew, you run the risk of getting a foul call. Right. Um, the question is, should they have had a double automatically the moment that the ball goes into Edie? Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know if you could see the game, Purdue had their players spaced w- really wide on that. So they had a player in each corner. The other guard was the far side from away from Edie. So he was up playing outside the arc. It was pretty much a two-man game. And so if you bring a double, you're, you're leaving a shooter wide open on the corner. Now, maybe you say, well, that's what we want. Morton wasn't out there, who was terrible from three, like we had talked about right. in the pregame. I, you know, I don't, I mean, that's the, that's the poison. Because if you try and double with the person on lawyer, lawyer's just going to go right by you and score. So I, I felt like it well, was, that was never in the that was never in the cards, right? I agree with that. You can't dig off lawyer. My question, and I haven't gone back to look at it, so I don't know if you saw the guy who seemed to me to be in the best position to maybe come over and disrupt him was Akins. Akins was on, you know, Edie caught it. If you're if you're Purdue on offense looking at the basket, yep. Edie caught it on the left-hand side of the lane yes. and then came into the middle. Akins was coming from the right-hand side of the lane. I'm not sure who he was guarding I don't over remember. there. Was yeah. it Smith? That, that would be, that would be the issue. And I honestly, I, I can't answer that. I don't know who he was guarding. 
Um, but the argument, and I'm not saying I land in either camp definitively, and it's really easy to say, oh, they made the wrong call when right, yeah. Purdue wins the Hindsight, game that yeah. way. I guess the way I look at it is you're in a one-point game. So a bucket from the floor, wherever it comes from, is going to beat you. Yeah, right. So question is, do you like your odds better with Zach Eady taking a shot? Now, now, as it turned out, with the spin and his length, he just dropped it through the bucket. I mean, it wasn't even like a, a short hook shot or anything. Right. It was it was a literal lay-in. Um, but even if it had been like a, a short hook, do you like your odds better him missing that against one-on-one coverage or somebody else taking an open three? And And my argument would be that is not the same decision as the one you make over the course of 40 minutes. Sure, I think yeah. Michigan State's defensive approach over the course of 40 minutes unquestionably was the right one. Mm-hmm. You know, they were in position because of it to win that game. So in part because of it. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to adhere to that in a one possession win or lose situation, right? Yeah. That can be a sound decision to to handle it differently when you're talking about one possession to win or lose. And I just, I, Izzo in the post game, I gather, I I saw a quote from him that he said, look, he'd do it again that way. That's I, I get it. That's the horse he rode. He rode the whole way, but I just, and I, and I, I would like to hope that I'm not saying this as a result of hindsight, but that I would have said the same thing had I been presented with this scenario 24 hours ago, that maybe that's the spot. That's an exception. Yeah. Maybe that even if I, I know this, it wasn't going to be Fletcher lawyer taking that shot. If, if the ball, if, if Jaden Akins had come on a double, right. It was somebody else, whomever he was guarding, be that I'm guessing it was either Smith or do you know, maybe Newman was out there. I would think maybe I'm not sure who it was. I, it was I'll either be Newman or Jenkins probably, because as you say, Morton was off the floor. So it had to be Newman or Jenkins, uh, probably Newman because he's a better shooter. Um, so it was probably either Smith or Newman. Those guys are good shooters, but you know, Smith shoots 40 some percent from three Newman is at about 34. I think, now you can say, well, yeah, but it would be a wide open shot. Yeah. Percentages likely go up. Okay. I still probably like my odds better with that rather than Zach Eady in the middle of the lane. Never mind dropping it through the rim. Right. I mean, Eady was shooting 50% from the game. He shoots 60 right. some percent overall because he's, you know, taking these close shots. You think if you bring a double there, right, you know, a lot of things can happen. For one thing, Purdue doesn't have much time. I mean, he dropped it through. Right. There's still two and a half seconds left. So, so if you bring a double and force him to make a decision, well, that takes some time to process. Then he has to throw it out to someone. Then they have to shoot it. Now, you know, maybe they make it and right. the game's over right then. There's no time to come down and have a, a last second shot. But I totally agree. Your cha- your odds are much better because any point, and even if you fouled Edie, well, then he gets two free throws and, you know, maybe then you can, you know, he doesn't, he splits him or something. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought... <laughs> And I think that was probably the wrong move. And I don't know. Who knows if that was the plan, right? I mean, I think players can. Right. We don't, we don't know. I mean, yeah. Izzo's answer he won't in the tell postgame us. suggests that it was, but right. 
what was that a failure? Because because here's the thing, Jaden Akins, when the shot was released, Jaden Akins wasn't that far away from it. No, no, he could have he could have gone up doubled. And honestly, if they pass out to the, he could at least been flying at the guy shooting a last second, you know, high pressure. He had guy who had made a outside shot all game. You're forcing to make the amazing, you know, game winning shot, which maybe he'll make, but. You like your chances there more than than Edie throwing in from four feet away. I I I just I think in retrospect that probably would have been the decision I made, but you know the guy making it's in the Hall of Fame. I just uh, yeah, is a tough. It was a tough way to lose it because you know honestly, Purdue didn't have to work that hard for it. No, it looked you know, pretty they easy. They had yeah. they had the the guy who is their best post-entry passer lawyer make the post-entry and um and you know you're not going to get his defender to dig because they're not they're definitely not going to come off lawyer and um so then you know it, it from that point it's just Edie making a making a move after something that could have been called an offensive foul but wasn't um spinning into the lane and just laying it in it was very very easy and you hope at a minimum, the idea is you want to make that shot hard. Yeah. And it was not hard. Right. They were making it hard early in the first half, right? I think they gave him enough. They made it harder for almost all of the game. Yeah. But, but you know, there were occasionally moments where Edie got loose and got an easy one. Most of the time, because he's so huge yeah. and he's good enough that sometimes it'll happen. But for the most part, Michigan State made it hard on him. And I suspect that assuming that was the actual way Michigan State wanted to play it, that Izzo's thought was he's just going to have Mahdi body him up and Mahdi's going to make him take a contested, you know, eight-foot half-hook shot. You know, a lot of the shots that Edie took and a lot of the shots that Edie missed were similar, but he was able to get the advantage and – and kind of spin his body toward the rim and it, it ended up being very, very easy, which was unfortunate. The one other thing I wanted to discuss before we go through the keys is Pierre Brooks. He played 12 minutes, 0 for 3 from 3, uh, missed a two-point shot as well. He had three rounds, two of them offensive turnover, but he was really a kind of a disaster on defense. He was leaving people missing assignments. A lot of those buckets that Edie had and that were, were his missed assignments, forcing people to react. And, uh, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean... If he's not scoring, he's it's sort of this reminds me of Marble a lot. Like if he's not scoring, there's not much use having him on the floor. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know what to do about Brooks because you figure he's going to log some more minutes because if it's not Brooks, it's going to be Whitens, and then you give up your all your offense for maybe a little bit of defense. He's, I mean, look, we had said earlier in the season, well, this is kind of a a key point for Pierre, and he didn't, you know, he had some moments during that stretch when Hall was out, but. Um, he didn't exactly seize a role, right? And no. that's been reflected in the fact that his minutes have gone way down since Malik came back. Well, there's another opportunity now out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And this is probably it for Pierre's career at Michigan State. I mean, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic with that. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot to process and we got a long, long, long way to go. But I will say at, at this point, if it were to be the case that Malik Hall doesn't come back, I do think, and again, this is without any detailed knowledge, just 
my little bit of knowing the lay of the land, I think your odds of Malik Hall opting to come back for a true senior year are better than they would have been. Sure. For yeah, sure. Right. Had he played this year uninterrupted, you know, or even or even played this the rest of this year out. I think they're better for a variety of reasons. Gives him another opportunity to prove himself, gives him an opportunity to end his career the way he probably would want to. You know, there's a lot of things going on there. No guarantees right. at all. But if that were to happen, and then and then you add in the guys at Michigan State's bringing bringing in, um, you know, it, it might be a situation where yeah, there's just not enough room for Pierre to get consistent minutes. So on the other hand, if he can prove himself during this stretch and he can force his way back into that conversation. So this is, it's big for the team and it's big for Pierre's future. What he does over the next several weeks. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was briefly above 40% from three. He has not been, he's missed most of his shots since then. You know, if he hits two of those threes, we're having, and he gets three rebounds. I mean, we're like, eh, right. you know, you pay for a little bit on the defensive end, but he's giving you some offense. He's giving you some rebounding yeah. offensive boards. He makes himself, you know, give it, he has an argument to be on the floor right now. There's, it's hard to say aside from the rebounding, which, you know, is good, but it's, it's not enough for what, uh, for, you know, the, to the minutes. That well, and look, and the minutes, the minutes told the story in this game. I mean, Tom Izzo, you know, would love to not have his starters logging those kind of minutes, <laughs> but sure. they did. Yeah. And Pierre played 12 minutes. Well, that's for a reason. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we go to our keys to the game? Before that, we'll do a brief message. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so keys to the game. First one I think we've talked about quite a bit was Malik Hall. We, our assumption was he was coming back. He obviously didn't play, and, and not only did he not play, he's out for a potentially long period of time. I don't know. There's much, much more else to say about this, except he probably would have been helpful on some level somewhere. <laughs> it's probably worth at least a point or two. I, I think the, the one thing I would say is, yeah, of course, it's a different game if he's out there today, but I think the impact is obviously much more on a macro level than it was, oh, if they'd had, it's hard, it's hard to point to particular situations in this game and say, boy, they really missed Malik in this area. Like the, in, in the Illinois game, I could point to the fact that they did not have him down the stretch as an option to guard Matthew Meyer. Right. 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 This one, 
I don't know. Would he have guarded Fletcher Lawyer? Maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe that would have been a game changer. Um, so it, it wasn't so much, in my opinion, about his absence in this one, but rather what's it going to mean over the next several weeks. Yeah, and I think some rest. But I would say this about Hall that, that's been interesting watching the team this game versus the previous stint without Millie Hall, which is early in the season. The defense, especially Mata Sissoko, do not seem as lost. Like they're much more Absolutely. connected. They, they had a good defensive effort. And I would say, aside from, you know, Brooks occasionally getting lost, they were, they were pretty sound and they didn't require the Malik Hall like they needed in earlier in the season. Keep a couple things in mind there. Um, one being that they're, they've been through it. Yep. Um, two, you did not see Pierre Brooks playing as much as he did in a lot of those games you're talking about. True. Three, they have a Jade Nakins who's basically at or near a hundred percent, which yeah. they didn't have for at least some of that first stretch without Malik. And then even when they did, he was still trying to round into form. Yeah. 32 minutes. Whereas now right. I think ready. Yeah. that's a big difference. Yeah. So I'm with you. That's another thing to take out of this game is that <laughs> keep in mind, the Purdue Boilermakers came into this game the number one offense in America. They're pretty good, right? <laughs> they were the number one offense in terms of efficiency. They were the number one offensive rebounding team in America. Michigan State held this team to 42% from the floor, 40% from three, but they only got off 10 attempts. And then they only grabbed eight offensive rebounds out of 30 misses. Yeah. Michigan State played very well defensively in this game. So I think that's something that should not be forgotten. And when people start talking about, oh, struggle to get to the tournament, if I maintain, if they do a lot of the things they did today going forward, they're likely going to be fine. Yeah, right. For that purpose, you can, I think you can say what Malik call being out does is it probably eliminates any realistic shot at contention for a big 10 title that I'll buy. Yeah, I agree. But I'm not nearly at a point yet where I say, Oh, it's going to be dicey for the tournament. We'll see. All right. Well, the number two key of the game was the uh, gravitational force in the universe. Zach Eady, seven foot four, 300 pounds. He scored 32. He shot 50%, which is below his average. He usually averages a little over 60%. He shot 50%, 13 is 26, six or seven from the line. So he's good there. Only four offensive rebounds, which is under his usual, although he ended up with 17 boards overall. He, he actually had well over half of the rebounds for the Purdue Boilermakers. You know, I think it, it was, it was a tactical decision by Michigan State, aside from that last position, which we talked about. I think they did a really good job on him. They didn't make his life too easy. He would have worked for most of his points. And he really struggled early in that game. And they made him play 36 minutes because Purdue had no answers for for the fives position if he wasn't there. No, look, I, I, I do not fault Michigan State's defensive game plan. Again, considering what they're going up against, that worked, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and you can say if they'd been a little bit more dialed in offensively earlier on when they had missed a lot of makeable shots, yep. you know, it's a different, it's a different result there as well. But I think defensively, I've got no complaints again, other than I think you could debate that last possession, but 
Uh, over the course of 40 minutes, it was clearly the right way to play it. You know, um, and it's a successful approach that Michigan State has used against this program in the past. And I think it worked today. I just think that the other team managed to make one more play, but I, I can't I can't say that they went at it in a way that was detrimental to their chances of winning. It, it gave them a chance to win. Some would argue that player was wearing stripes. Uh, so then the number three key to the game was threes. Michigan State shot 31, 30, 31.6%, six of 19. Again, a lot of open looks missing in the first half, only shot, shot two of yeah. eight. And that was really, I you could argue that's the difference. There weren't a whole lot of bad threes they took. I mean, the walk of no. the last three, of course, Pierre Brooks had one that was pretty well covered. Other than that, they were all pretty good. I guess, you know, Hogarth hit th- shot three of them, you know. They maybe. also had one, and I'm not sure who took it. Uh, maybe it was Hauser um, at the end of the first half, which was one of those desperation heaves that probably oh, okay. shouldn't have even counted. Yeah. I'm not sure who took it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, it wasn't great. Look, you'd like to see a little better production out there. Um, but the second half was more like it. Yeah. The second half, we saw Michigan state a little closer, uh, to what we have come to expect of them. Still only 36%. I, you know, I think they're better shooting team than that still, but you know, I guess I don't they know. Maybe, are. maybe now they're, they've not been great shooting the last three games. So I don't know. At some point, maybe they've solved this problem. It's, it's worth, it's certainly worth keeping an eye on because especially now that you take away a Malik call who gives you other scoring options because of the way he can operate in the post uh, that's gone now. So the three is going to only increase in terms of its importance. And that's another reason why I say, you know, Tyson Walker as a guy who, remains aggressive very very important yeah i mean he was he was four of eight he was uh, shot over 50 percent from the field in general yeah. and um you know and then as far as you look at threes for purdue i thought it was really good they left morton open he didn't hit any of them he didn't miss all three they just had a, just enough right gillis and and first both hit theirs and um first was a first was a really really big shot and that yeah. probably gets lost in the shuffle but michigan state gets a three from walker to go up four points that felt to me like and i think we were under two minutes at that point um that felt like a huge shot and then purdue comes right back and you know first is a capable shooter but he's not a dead-eye guy i think he's around 35 percent on the year so he's not quite as effective as he was as a freshman you could probably live with that given some of the alternatives Yeah, with him getting that shot, but he nailed it. Yeah. And, and it happened quick. Yeah. It was for early shot clock, like within the first 10 seconds, I think it happened really quick. So that, that feeling of momentum that you had after Walker hits his, you're like, all right, we got him down two possessions and then Purdue comes right back. Yeah. And immediately, which is not something you necessarily expect that team to do because they're not a fast-paced team, but they get that three from him. That was huge, just huge. You know, and when Michigan State made that run in the first half to close it out to just two, it, I was I was joking my wife. I said, they're playing the uh, the Abe defense, which is anybody but Edie. Edie you just let, and pretty much anyone else who tried to do anything, they were they were stopped. It was only Edie scoring in that first half, and they, yep. they pretty much limited damage for quite a while there. But uh, 
so then fourth key to the game, the mid-range game, which I know is like nails and shockboard to Nate Oates at Alabama. But mm-hmm. Tyson Walker, I mean, he was lights out. He was great. 12 of 23 from the field. Hogarth, 6 of 12. Hauser, 4 of 8. Yep. I, you know, I mean, what more can you say except it was they got what they wanted. A number of times they got they got a Edie on switches where he was stuck isolated against Walker, who was just, you know, either go past him or shoot over him. So they got, I think they did a great job with that. It was much better than they were against Illinois. Well, the, the, the only, uh, the only issue I, I had with it is that in the first half, they didn't hit enough. Yeah. They're missing out once they're makeable shots. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And, and Rafferty mentioned it on the broadcast. Like you get, you're going to get those shots against Purdue. You got to hit them. Yep. And they just didn't hit quite enough. But um, overall, I think they did the things. Like I say, there's there's just there's not a lot to get irate about because they played a pretty good game. Yeah. I mean, again, against a Purdue defense that's been very good this year, Michigan State shoots 47 percent from the floor, 52 percent in the second half. Um, you know, you'd hope maybe you were dialed in a little better from three than they were, but it wasn't a disaster. They did some damage. So, yeah, well, he scored seven straight in the, in the end of the game and missed the last it kind of reminds you of the Illinois game where they just hit a bunch of shots in a row at the, <clears throat> but yep. unable to make any stops this time. Well, it's pretty much the same, right? You hit no shots. It was kind of back and forth for a while. Well, Let's talk about the number five key to the game, which the one I think that's surprising the most. I kept looking at the scoreboard surprised. Actually, the scoreboard was broken for the first eight minutes of the game, which is probably good because I knew Michigan State's shooting percentage was really low. But they beat <laughs> Purdue on the boards. They had 30 rebounds to Purdue's 29. They both finished with eight offensive rebounds. So Michigan State had an offensive rebounding rate of 28.6%, which is not great, but okay especially against that team and Purdue with 26% of their, uh, their shots, they rebounded. So I mean, a huge success. I mean, I think, well, I don't think, I think we thought coming to this game, there was no question that Michigan State was a good defensive rebounding team. I think we can definitively say, especially if we got that monster, there rebounding that they did a great job. They did. Um, I think the other stat, and those are all good numbers. The other stat that mattered Purdue, a team that thrives on second chance points only had 10 of them. Right. Now you could say off only eight offensive rebounds, that's a pretty good efficiency rate. And it is, um, but Michigan state played them even there as well. They also had 10 off their eight offensive rebounds. So um, yeah, I, I think you, you play that team to a draw on the glass. You should feel pretty good about what you did. And it was a day, and on a day where Edie was just a monster. Like it wasn't an off day for Zach Eady as a rebounder. I think this game shows you just the, just how close margin is for Michigan State in so many things, right? Like you win a number of things, but you have a few more turnovers, so you have a few more empty possessions. You have a few, you know, a couple fouls here, there. It they even with that, it, I know they had less. They didn't have to score a lot of points off the turnovers, but they were their possessions early in the game when probably you could have gotten something done because I don't know. Purdue just seems sort of off on offense to start the game. Well, AJ Hogard was struggling mightily in those first five minutes. He had, he had two passes and I don't think they actually turned it over on either one, but two times he passed kind of blindly. What was it to, to, to Joey, to Joey, like, Ho- to Joey Hauser, who was not looking. 
that's on AJ. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I you can't you can't do that. Uh, and and I just I don't know what was going on. But look, I'm, I'm not going to beat up AJ because the fact is, after that, he got dialed in. He's and great. I think, yeah. you know, you look at his game, eight assists, two turnovers, six for 12 from the floor. That's a pretty good performance. You know, I, I think in this one, if you want to look at at the major difference and, you know, again, it's probably going to sound like crying, but. Michigan state goes seven for 10 from the line, Purdue 16 of 18. Yeah. Um, there's your ball game. Yep. I mean, that really is it, you know? Um, and I don't feel it would be one thing if I felt like, and we've said it many times this year, you know, oh, Michigan state's got to defend better without fouling, you know, um, that was not the case today. There should not have been that kind of differential. There just shouldn't have been. Um, not based on the physicality that both teams played with. I think anytime you see that kind of differential, and I'm not even getting into who was, whose home court it was, but um, anytime you see that kind of differential, uh, what you ought to be seeing is one team either playing much more physically than the other or, you know, being a step slow all day and they had to, uh, you know, they had to clutch and grab to kind of stay alive, you know, and there have been days where that's been Michigan state. That was not today. So I, I think if you're, if you look across the board in this game, to me, the difference was there and, and credit to Purdue for hitting the one, you know, 16 of 18 is impressive. You know, they had guys, I mean, first is shooting sub 60%. I think that's an outlier. I don't think he's that bad a shooter, but he goes three for four. Um, Edie, who's a good free throw shooter this year, but he was great today. Six for seven. You know, they just didn't, they just didn't miss the shots that they got. Um, so I think it's that, I think that, um, Fletcher lawyer gave them the second guy they needed down the stretch. Yes. To join Edie in terms of making plays and it, a big day for him. I give him, even though he got bailed out on that foul call, look, other than that, guy made some great plays, including the entry pass for the winning bucket. Yep. It was a good pass because it got Edie, you know, that can be, that can be an adventure if it's the wrong guy making the wrong entry. And he was no perfect got the ball exactly where it needed to be and allowed Edie to, to not have to reach for it, not get out of position to catch it, hit him right where he wanted it. He was able to go right into his move and make the play. So those were the things that I think made, made the difference ultimately in what was a very close game. Well, I think it's no question that Purdue is the class of the league. They're the ones everyone's going to be chasing at this point, but they've shown that they're not invulnerable. And so you never know what things as far as tripping up and stuff. Look, are are they the favorite to win the Big Ten? Sure. Um, this is not a great Purdue team. They're no. a good Purdue team, and good and good might be good enough this year to do real damage in March. I'm not saying I don't think they can make a run. I'm just saying if I lined this team up man for man against last year's Purdue team, despite the way they finished and all that, I would take last year's Purdue team every day of the week. Sure. But this one is playing a little better or a little more consistently, at least, you know, and sometimes that's how it goes. 
Well, any other final thoughts? No, just, you know, disappointing. And there's part of me that was really crushed by that. Yeah. Because combined with the hall news, which is a paraphrase of what Izzo said in his post game, but you know, you really would have liked to have won that considering. Um, but I also think that there's a lot to feel good about, you know, when we, when we, you know, people are, are obviously going to reach for comparisons to the last two years. Right. Yeah. But I do think there's a pretty big difference here. The last two years when Michigan state was losing games by and large, they were playing poorly there. I can't think of a lot of games where I thought, well, you know, they played pretty well and they just came up short. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That didn't happen very much. This team in both of these losses against Illinois and then again today played a lot of good basketball. So I I still think there's reason for optimism, at least in terms of, you know, getting to the tournament and and then you see what happens from there. I I reiterate the same thing we've been saying since the summer. Anytime you've got the kind of guard, and I don't think they've let us down in this for the most part. Anytime you've got the kind of guard play that Michigan State has, you got a chance. Yeah, no question. The guard play is superior. And you saw them, they're tearing apart Smith and Foster, uh, sorry, and Lawyer in the first half. And even well, throughout the whole game, there's, there's superior guards. I think on offense, Michigan State's guards clearly, you know, I mean, they scored the, the two main guys, even if you add in Aikens, those three guys scored 49 points. I mean, yeah. I mean, they whipped Purdue's backcourt, which is not, you know, that's what, that's what should happen. Right. That's when well, that's your strength. Right. But I think, you know, if you get to five, the five spot seemed solid enough, right. To get you through the games, you don't need them score. It's an unusual time as a team where you don't have a whole lot of post scoring, but you know, there's, there's just a different way of playing. It's a, it's a different team, right? That's just the way it's been this season. And it's the way it's going to be, yep. I think through the end. And we'll just see how they turn out. So Michigan state drops to uh, their second in a row. They fall to, Five and or sorry, four and three in the Big Ten. They've lost. They're two and two at home now in the Big Ten play. Uh, their next matchup is against Rutgers, who is currently, I think, they're sitting probably in second place at five and two. Another big game, yep. a team that has been lethal on the road. They've won a number of road games. So we are going to see how they do. We'll talk. Come back with the matchup to that in just a day or so. And until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.